Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sarah Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through God's Word one chapter a week, and today we get to Exodus chapter 17. Now, as we say every single week, if you've not read this chapter before, if you've not read Exodus 17 in the recent past, go ahead, press pause, read it, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's Word. So Exodus 17 begins with the Exodus party, the big traveling group, all the congregation of the people of Israel, as we read. They move on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Now, if you read kind of the corresponding account of this in Numbers 33, there's another couple of places that they stop at first. Uh, but they're very methodical in moving on. They're moving on by stages, and they get to Rephidim. They set up camp, and there's no water to drink. The people are a bit annoyed, then, to say the least, and they quarrel with Moses. They say, give us water to drink. Moses says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The people are so thirsty. They're so annoyed, so angry. And uh, evidently, we see from verse 4 that they were angry enough to want to stone Moses to death. Now, this is worse than they're complaining in chapter 15, verse 24, that says, you know, what are we going to drink? It's worse than they're complaining in chapter 16, verse 2, where they're saying, they're grumbling and saying, why, why did you even bring us out of Egypt? At least there was food there and water to drink. This is even worse. They're saying, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. So the grumbling, sadly, is getting worse and worse and worse. So then Moses cries out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And in verse 5, we see the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. We're going to see in a few verses' time, the staff is a very visible and visual symbol of the people's dependence on God. So go ahead, take some elders and your staff, uh, and I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. So God, the Lord, was very, very willing to provide for his people. Uh, we read that Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah. Maybe your Bible's got a footnote here. Uh, Massa in the Hebrew means testing, and Meribah means quarreling. Uh, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, Moses named this place these names. And because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? I don't know about you, I read that and I just thought, come on, how do these people not know that the Lord is with them, among them, for them? They've seen these plagues in Egypt, we saw the purpose behind these plagues, we saw how they were miraculously and supernaturally spared from uh, these plagues. We've seen the, the, the institution of the Passover uh, their exodus, their literal exit from Egypt. We've seen their deliverance through the waters of the Red Sea. 
to help sustain him when he is weary and tired. And then we see in verse 14 the first call from God to his people to officially record what's going on. This is kind of different to the diary as such that, uh, that Moses is keeping. Numbers 33 verse 2 tells us that Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord. Uh, and these are their stages according to their starting places. So Moses is keeping a diary uh, as commanded by the Lord. Uh, this is the first kind of official um, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And the Amalekites were a, a bit of a perpetual enemy, a bit of a, a continual thorn in the side for God's people right up until uh, David comes along in First Samuel 30 and finally uh, defeats them ultimately, so to speak. And then this chapter finishes, we read Moses built an altar and called uh, the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is quite a difficult thing, uh, so I read, to have put from uh, Hebrew into English. Uh, stroke of a pen dot of a quill here or there changes uh, quite significantly what this could mean. So he builds an altar and he calls it, the Lord is my banner. And he explains and he says, for a hand was lifted up to the throne of the Lord, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. And again, you know, the dot of a pen, the stroke of a, of a pencil, can change uh, these words significantly. So as it reads, it gives us the sense that Moses' hand and the staff of God were, were extended to the throne of God and he's interceding for his people. And this is a great story of intercession or the, the, the source of the power of this victory is coming from the throne of God, God himself. And apparently different, uh, different translations, different translation philosophies, different scholars have taken the last few letters, the last few characters of this phrase. Um, a hand was lifted up to the throne of the Lord. And if it's punctuated a little bit differently, it reads, and it would then read, um, my hand on the banner of the Lord. And that would be more of an expression that the banner, the staff, is always going to be there. The staff of, the, of God is always going to be ready should we go into battle again. So, now Hebrew expert, I'm not, um, but it does seem that, you know, a couple of strokes, a couple of dots, different philosophies of how we read and translate things can produce quite a different reading here because the first one is that from the throne of God, God himself has powered this victory, has enabled and empowered this victory. And the second is more like, we'll call this place, the Lord is my banner because we've lifted up our hands and our hand is on the banner of the Lord and it's this 
the staff. It's Moses, and it's Moses holding the staff of God as this very visual and visible representation that God goes with us. So essentially, I guess, we're talking about the same thing. God is the source of strength and victory. One is represented in, I'm holding this staff, this is the staff of God, He's, he parted the waters with it, delivered us through the waters with it. The other one is, it's God himself empowering this victory in the people. So essentially, we're talking about the same thing. God is the source of power and victory. I guess it's just the, the particular methods or vehicle uh, through which this victory comes. Is there a visual representation of the staff um, or not? Next week in Exodus chapter 18, we are going to see some great advice uh, from Moses' father-in-law, which is very, very pertinent to any of you that are pastoring, any of you that work in, uh, in ministry. It's something that was really important for me maybe a few years ago when I was finishing off a degree and I was writing about how churches are structured for leadership and what the Bible teaches about um, a singular leader over a family of God's people. But the advice uh, that Jethro gives Moses in Exodus 18 is also very, very important for anybody uh, pastoring, anybody leading a church. So we'll talk about that next week. Everything else that we uh, say, record, preach, teach, publish is available for you at sarfellowship.com. But until next week, God bless you.